I'll be reading from Acts 3, verses 1 to 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold do I not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple's courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Thanks, Kez. Oh, I thought you'd left me the glasses in case I went on a bit and lost my eyesight during the sermon. Okay, so the subject that I got this morning is church is more than natural. I'd like to um, kind of put it like this. His word and his spirit working together to empower us. So what is more than natural? I come to, I think that possibly it's to believe to hope and when I, when I think about what is natural and what is more than natural in this passage I'll ask you the question is it the healing that you see a lame man from birth now he's up and walking or did you see the bit where people the healing man he actually gives his life to Jesus the man who's healed gives his life to Jesus now I know for me my nature is that I'm amazed. If someone came into church with no legs and then left walking, I'd be knocked off my feet, wouldn't know where to, where to look. I'd think that this was amazing. But when someone becomes a Christian, I guess there's one sense in me where I think, well, it can be an educated kind of thing. You know, you can talk it through the Bible. You can show someone the truth of what the Bible says. And so, they, so in many ways, for me, I think my nature isn't one to be jumping and shouting and being amazed that someone become a Christian, but it is that I will get overexcited and stuff because I see a man that can't walk or a woman that can't walk is now walking out or some sort of physical healing like that. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm all for seeing healing. And, you know, and when someone goes to the doctor with some sort of illness or medical condition and, they, and then they come out of that doctor, uh, come out from the doctor and actually they're better, whether that takes months or whether that takes minutes, you know, I do accept that, you know, God has still had his part to play in that. And I find that sort of feeling a lot more easier to come to terms with, I guess. And that's my nature. Now, one of the things that I have... Um, one of the things I was, I was just listening to a talk. No, it wasn't. It was an interview with Tim Keller. Now, I don't know how many of you know Tim Keller. He's an American preacher. Um, he's quite a famous one. Apologetics is what he uh, kind of does. And he's got cancer. 
And I heard him in an interview, and what they were asking him, they were asking him, now that you have cancer, basically, how has anything changed about what you think about God or about healing? Now, his answer straight away was no. But what he did say was that before he got cancer, it was a head knowledge. And since, he's, since he now has cancer, it's really helped him to get a better grasp of who God is and, and just kind of like what it means. He also went on to say that actually he believes God can heal him. He fully will accept that if God's going to heal him, then great, he's open to God healing him. But at the same time, what he said was he's almost 73. And he said, and at some point, we're going to die. And so what he said is the real healing happened at the cross. And as Kezia just read there, from um, I'm going to go like one to five. Uh, I think it's up behind me, is it? The first, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I want to point out a few things to you, just to put some things into context for you. So when it talks about the beautiful gates, these are two huge gates, about 75 foot high, made of brass. And, um, and this is where, at, the time, at this time, this is where people went to beg. And so in many ways, this is a little bit like the job centre of its time. Now, what I want you to see here is that there is both the nature and what is more than natural at play here. You see, there is a lame man from birth there, but at the same time, there's a lot of people begging there. And how do they know who they're going to choose? They could, have, they could have chosen someone who's faking something. But actually, who they did choose was someone that everybody in that area knew had been there from birth, had been begging every single day. And, you know, and they knew he was lame from birth. And so, you see, that's the bit that's more than natural. And one of the things that I really like about that passage as well is it says that John, Peter and John were focused on him and him on them. And so you see, one of the things that I think that we will often do, or I say for myself, but I'm sure that there's other people other than myself as well, is unfortunately we will walk down our streets and there's more people begging than I can ever remember before. And we will often quite walk past I do. I work in homelessness and still I, I often walk past. There's sometimes I'll stop, but most of the time I walk past. But you see, John and Peter are here and they are focused on this person. This person is focused back on them. And so you see, the first thing I want to pull out is that actually, above everything else, this is a real act of kindness from God. He's chosen to heal this lame man. And at some point, what's happened here is that the two things have collided. So John and um, Peter, um, what they have done is they have they've put into play some of their more natural stuff. So they know that if they go to the temple gates at a certain time, that there'll be people begging there. But what they've also had is there's been a... Um, you know, God's spoken to them at some point. And clearly, God's spoken to this lame person as well. And this lame person is focused 
So, um, uh, where it says uh, verses six or nothing. Um, so, so Peter and John they come to this place, and the man's be- begging. And he puts out his hands, and they're focused on him. He's focused on them. He's probably expecting to get some money. But actually, they don't have money. But what they do have is they have everything that God's given to them. And that's enough. Yeah? And so, because God is with them, they have enough. So I believe here in this passage that there's a great plan. Some of it's natural and some of it is more than natural. And when I was writing this and looking into this, the, the things that I got to at this point was that we need to be focused. We need to prepare and we need to be expectant because Jesus is enough. Now it's three in the afternoon. That's what it says here in the passage. This is just after the hour of sacrifice, and now it's just coming up to the time of prayer. This is likely to be the busiest time of the day. And if, if the people have missed the time of sacrifice, well then they may have seen that their giving of alms would have been part of their sacrifice. But let me be clear to you. For Peter and John, they haven't missed the hour of sacrifice. I think the whole purpose of this plan was to show everybody coming in for prayer or leaving after sacrifice that actually it was them that missed the hour of sacrifice. They missed the fact that Jesus has died on the cross. That when Jesus died on that cross, that he became the sacrifice once and for all. And I'm going to go to Mark 15, verse 33, where it says, At noon, darkness come over the whole land until three in the afternoon. See, at the end of the time of sacrifice. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. I'm going to do it in English because I don't speak Hebrew. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And later on in Mark 15, it goes on to explain how the curtain ripped from top to bottom. It opens up the um, place to where to the holies of holies. You know, basically it's like Jesus is saying there's no more sacrifice needed. He is the sacrifice and he then goes on to die not long after this um, verse. So even Jesus himself dies at the end of the hour of sacrifice. So it may be a coincidence. In my experience, God usually does all that he can to try and help us to come to faith in him. And so for me, I don't think it's coincidence. I think it's, it's also a plan. Maybe a supernatural plan or a more than natural plan. And one of the things that I see, if, we went, if, you're, if you've got your Bibles or you've just got it in front of you, is in verse 10... Peter kind of like leads them into this place where he says, with wonder and amazement, he says, people are, um, with wonder and amazement, people are like looking on at this great healing. Because you see, he's about to hit them with something that they're probably not expecting. And it says, while a man 
Oh no, he says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you, why do you stare at us as if our own, as if it is our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? So they're saying, what are you looking for? What are you looking at? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. So you see, he's saying, this is, this is all Jesus, the Messiah, the one you've been waiting for all your life. And it's, it's all on you, mate. Pilate wanted to let him go. But no, not you lot. You disowned the holy, holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. I'm going to ask Kezia just to read from 15 onwards. It's for your benefit. She's a much better reader than me. <laughs> You killed the author of life, but raised him from the dead. We are witness of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can still see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled that he had foretold through all of the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes from God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his Holy Spirit. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And you should see her phone, it's smashed so much, I don't know how she's able to read that. <laughs> well, first of all, let me be clear. The first and the big, biggest miracle that happened this day wasn't the, ma the lame man from birth getting up and walking. And um, I think for all of us, we often are looking for the fireworks and big lights. And how, long are we, and how long will we be talking about a healing if we see it right in front of our eyes? And I think sometimes we can miss certain parts, especially when we're looking in the Bible, but also in life we can miss things because we're always looking for them fireworks and them great big moments in our lives, like this healing. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to belittle what the healing, what the healing here is. Because if you think about it, this man was lame from birth. So not only is he healed and his legs become strong, but he's never walked before. It's the first time in his life he's ever going to get up and start walking. So even if someone had nothing wrong with them, 
If me at 40, at 43 years old had nothing wrong with me, I just chose never to walk. And then I just started getting over and walking. That in itself would be a miracle. You know, and, um, and so let's not belittle the miracles that God's doing. I'm not trying to do that at all. But what I am saying is, in this passage, the great miracle, the greater miracle, is that people come to know Jesus. And, that, and that's the greater miracle in this. Oh, good, they move out of the way. All right, so, so that's the greater miracle in this situation right now. And the reason why that's the greater miracle is because one day, whether we get healed or we don't in our lives, we will still pass away. There's nothing that can stop that. But if we come to salvation, we're going to go and be with Jesus forever. And so no matter how much suffering you're healed for in your time here, it's never going to be eternity. But the great miracle of salvation is something that we can never belittle. Now we need to know the truth of the Bible. We need to have that head knowledge, like Tim Keller, like I told you, Tim Keller had spoken about. And the reason why we need to have that head knowledge is because one day we or someone around us may well be in that situation where someone is struggling because they're unwell. Or maybe they've had an accident and for a period of time they've got something that isn't working. And if we have that head knowledge, if we have that truth of the Bible in us, we will be able to be in the best position to be able to support someone or even to allow God to support us. And so I want to be clear that although, you know, what I, I do still believe that God heals today, I do still want for there to be healing when people are sick. But at the same time, let's remember that two months ago, Sam and Tony were baptised, and they will never ever, there's nothing can change now, that they're going to go and be with Jesus one day, and they're going to live forever with him. And next week, Kezia will be baptised. Yeah, so we have got miracles happening in our church. Every month, if you think of the last three months, we're, we're going to have had three baptisms in three months. So every month we're seeing a miracle in our church. And let's not belittle it. Let's say it for what it is. Someone has been saved and they are going to live with Jesus forever. And then also on top of that, in the time that I've been at THCC, we've seen many people that have been with us and they have passed away. And the great thing about, about that is, although we will miss people that are no longer with us, actually, they're now all awake with Jesus. You know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't miss people, we definitely should, but at the same time, let's remember that that they, they're in a better place than, than we are now. They're, they're, they've reached their ultimate goal, which is to, to be with Jesus. There's a, um, a hymn, Great is Our Faithfulness, and it says, Give me strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. 
And, um, and that's one that I've really, since going to the Lighthouse and being part of THCC Lighthouse, this is one of the songs that um, we, we don't sing it every week, but for some reason it just sticks in my heart. I think it's something that I remember from being in the Lighthouse a very long time ago and then going back. And so even in my week, I often remember this song. And, um, you know, it just sticks with me. Strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. And that's what we have, and that's what we're looking for. And in this passage, that's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. And let's not get, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's an either or here. I'm not saying, I think that it's a both. It's a strength for today and hope for tomorrow. So sometimes the strength for today will be a healing, and the hope for tomorrow is salvation. Not just for when, we, for when we come to the end of our life, but we're living for Jesus today. And from now on, we live for Jesus. We have a hope in Jesus and we believe in him and his cross. That he has paid for us, on the, for our sins on that cross. And as we come to an end... I want us to see here that there are two people that use what they, that they had, the knowledge of their environment, which was the natural. But they have, they have clearly acted on something that God has put in their heart. And a lame man from birth was no longer lame. He's actually jumping in the temple courts. You know, so this guy's super excited, you know, he's... Yeah, very, very excited. And, you know, he's, he's excited not just because he was lame, but because he's come to salvation. And then we need to... Um, and so I hope that you can see through what I've said this morning that this is the Word and the Spirit working to empower us. I've missed something. All right. <laughs> I've missed the verse. I was going to read you um, Acts 4, but I can't remember where, it is, where exactly it is. It might be from like 5, but I'll tell you exactly what it is. And it talks about... Um, it talks about Peter and John. They actually get put in prison for all of this um, situation that they're in. And then, um, and then it says that 5,000 people had come to know Jesus on that day. Um, so please do check for yourselves. I'm not making it up. It's there in uh, Acts 4. Um, and, you know, and just to say, you know, what a, what a great thing that is, but also that often in our Christian walk there is a cost. And for them that day it was a time in prison. Now, I'm not saying that um, the worst things will happen to us, that the cost is going to be um, as extreme as some of the situations in the Bible, but I do believe that there is always a cost. But I will say to you, my experience has been the cost has always been worth it for me. And if I leave you with a takeaway, my takeaway would be the fireworks look great, but over a very... But they're over very fast. But make time to light a candle in a dark room. And what I mean by that 
is the fireworks can be like these these moments of um, you know pouring out of God inside of you, and you know you feel really excited. But actually, what we do need is we need to have that candle in the dark room that can be kind of like this time of intimacy with God, where we begin to build our relationship with God. And I think that without that candle in the dark room, we don't get the fireworks. And I think that both are for us in our everyday. Um, although we won't get fireworks every day, but um, you know, it's great when they happen. So that's me. I'm going to bring that to an end. And um, and I hope that you've got something this morning. I really feel that like if you reflect on this service, that what we've actually seen is. I actually enjoyed Natan getting up and saying how he struggled with the hosting last week. Because actually what we're saying in this passage is we don't actually have enough. Peter and John couldn't go forward and heal a lame man, but God stepped in. Natan might have felt that he didn't do a good job, but actually I wasn't here, but I'm sure he'd done a fine job. And that God stepped in in every moment that he feels like it didn't go well. And I've been there. I think whenever you stand at the front here, you do a sermon or you host or anything else, you always step down, you can see the things you wish you'd done better. But actually, we all need to be in that place where we go, I've gone, I've prepared, I've done my best, I've stepped down, and and then it's up to God to have his way within your lives. And so it's always a two-way thing when you're preaching or hosting that actually we, we will say what we feel God's told us, and it's up to you guys to have a heart open to what God's got for you. So that would be a challenge I'd leave you with, um, apart from all the other challenges. And let's just um, pray as a team come up to lead us in worship. Father God, we do this thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you are a kind God, that you do do them healings like in this passage, Lord Jesus that we don't just have the natural, Lord, that there is more than the natural here in church, Lord Jesus. I just thank you for your, for your cross, Lord. Just thank you that you saved us, Lord, but without you, there's nothing that we can do, Lord Jesus. So just pray that we will be able to come and reflect as we go into a time of worship, Lord Jesus. Be with us and challenge us, Lord Jesus. Encourage us, Lord Jesus. Amen.